Welcome to Pocket Fiction by Steve Cook. The Woman in the Red Dress, Part 1. I knew I should never have agreed to go to the old Hickory Mansion. I mean, good grief, listen to how it sounds, like something out of a children's TV programme or a bad horror flick. But at the time, it wasn't about whether I was in some terrible cliché, or even just trespassing. It was about finding the woman in the red dress. A little explanation. There were three of us sharing a roll-up round the back of Tesco the first time we saw her. Me and Barry and Lola. She was Barry's girlfriend at the time, the source of the tobacco and the papers and the pixie tampons, those little cotton filters you use when you roll your own. Barry was wearing a grey hoodie over his work clothes so that he didn't get another write-up for smoking on company property. Even though his eyes darted around under his heavy lids, watching for the manager, it was Lola who spotted the woman in the red dress first. Here, she said, pointing. What she think she's doing? Barry and I looked in the direction she was pointing, towards where a grey-haired woman was standing next to the big green bins. A small dog, a pug that seemed to always be hanging around, was stood on its hind legs, staring up at her. Barry slowly blinked, his voice heavy with the natural tiredness he wore like a cloak. Is she... talking to it? I shrugged. I don't know. Probably not. So what? But Lola was shushing me. I sighed, but fell silent. Sure enough, their conversation carried across to us on the breeze. You said there was a bed back here, she was saying. Mattress, you said. Can't be having without a mattress. Can't be sleeping on the pavement at my age. Her voice was strong, matronly, in sharp contrast to the dog's gruffness. I said there was a mattress round here three or four hours ago, Lilith. I can't help if someone else got here first. The dog looked sharply at us and dropped down onto all fours. Maybe you shouldn't have taken so long packing. There's a lot of things to pack, the woman said, then tutted. Need all the fragments. Can't think why. Never mind. Where next? They turned and moved away, the woman's feet shuffling invisibly beneath the tattered maroon red dress she wore. Barry turned to look at Lola, eyes wider than I'd ever seen them. What did you put in this ciggy? Nothing, she said, matching his expression. I shrugged as they looked at me. It was like an unspoken agreement. None of us said anything to anyone about the woman in the red dress and the talking dog, and we'd have been happy for things to stay that way, if not for the phone call on the night I went up to the mansion. By then, Barry had lost his job at Tesco and we were forced to meet in the little park off Slater Street. I liked this park. I'd done work on all four of the places that had walls backing onto the little green space, and I knew that you couldn't see into it from any of them. It was like the tiny, irritating sliver that's left between two imperfectly fitting jigsaw pieces, or as Barry had put it, like the thigh gap on a really fit girl. That was the comment that Lola had dumped him for, and as much as I'd laughed at the time, honestly I missed her company. He passed me the roll-up, its tip a glowing ember in the twilight. I took a drag on it and shivered as the wind gusted through. The walls that should have sheltered the little park seemed only to serve as channels, funnelling the wind down onto the bench with pinpoint precision. 
My phone rang, and I slipped it out of my pocket. Not a number I recognised, but it had a local code at the front of it. Here, I said, giving the stub of the roll up to Barry. Just going to take this. He didn't respond, except to take the SIG, and I got up and walked a few feet away, sliding the answer button on the screen across. Hello? Hey, human. We need you. I looked back over at Barry, but his eyes had drifted closed as they so often did when he wasn't engaged in anything. Just to be safe, I strode away a few paces, almost to the opposite corner of the little park. I told you not to call me again, I hissed as soon as I was out of earshot. I'm done helping you. Yeah, well, it's important. The crackly voice on the other end was gruff and belonged to the pug we had seen behind the Tesco. Listen, this isn't like the last time. It's Lilith. She's in trouble. So? That doesn't concern me, I growled into the receiver. And then, because I wasn't Barry, I sighed. Where is she? The pug gave me an address that turned out to be the mansion up on the hill. Once the seat of power for the First Lord Mayor's family, everyone in the area had a different story to tell about what happened to it. Some said murder had been done there, others that the Lord Mayor had disappeared one night, never to be seen again. Some said that he'd run away to America after gambling the town's money away, and honestly, that was the one with the ring of truth. The pile had fallen into rack and ruin in the decades since. Like a tramp's hat, it perched over the town, darkened windows cracked and driveway debris-strewn. There was what looked like the claw part of a digger lying abandoned on the overgrown lawn, the remains of a fire inside it, several stones and boxes arranged around it into a circle. I looked down at the pug, who had been waiting for me at the broken open gate. This place gets used often by the homeless, does it? Sometimes. They don't like to go in the house, though. Why not? People go in there, and they don't come out. The pug licked its nose a couple of times and waved one paw in a tiny shrug. I don't know, mate. I'm just a dog. But it's only an abandoned house, I said, then looked back at the building. There was something off about it. The way the windows were arranged, fitting themselves so easily into the template of a pair of wide eyes and a screaming mouth. Or maybe it was the flickering movement that I thought I could see, first on one side of the house, and then on the other. This is ridiculous, I said. It's the middle of the night. Why couldn't you have called me during the day? This is ridiculous, I said. It's the middle of the night. Why couldn't you have called me during the day? Scared, human. I opened my mouth to say something blithe and changed my mind. Yes, yes, do you know what? This is creepy. But we kept walking, the house nearer now, blotting out everything. Call the police or something. Get them in there if it's so important. Yeah, right, the pug said. Go for it. Tell them a talking dog called your phone at no small risk to itself because those phone boxes are up high and I don't exactly carry my own small change. And then you can tell them that a mad old homeless lady has been tricked into going in the old house on the hill that smells of evil and then see what they say. I gave the pug a dirty look and then we were at the doorstep. I breathed in deeply but only the smell of age came to me of woodworm and dust, ash and emptiness. <laughs> <laughs>